You are Locked On 49ers, your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On 49ers. Brian Peacock and Eric Crocker with you. We're breaking down defensive backs. We've got a former professional defensive back, NFL, AFL, and Eric Crocker. So we're going to look at the rookies. Ambry Thomas, Diamador Lenore, Talanoa Hufanga. Review their tape. What did they do in this initial preseason game, their first NFL action? I'm going to try to talk as little as possible and let Croc take over this episode with his expert analysis. Before we get to that, I want to let you guys know about the live fantasy show happening this week on the Locked On Podcast Network. If you have any fantasy football questions that you need answered before your draft, don't miss Locked On Fantasy Live, Wednesday, August 18th, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 Pacific, streaming on the Locked On NFL YouTube page. Go, you need to go subscribe to the Locked On NFL YouTube page anyway. Uh, subscribe now so you don't miss it. Our stable of fantasy experts will answer your questions live, or you can submit them ahead of time on Twitter at Locked On Network. So go check it out, Locked On NFL Live Fantasy Show, Wednesday evening. Croc, the rookies uh, got put to the test in preseason yep. week one. They were out there, and in some cases, uh, they got to face the likes of Tyreek Hill without a lot of help, like just thrown into the fire. I love it. It's like, all right, Rook, let's see if you can swim. Let's go. The fastest man in the league is the one you're going to have to cover. And uh, Hufanga did have the PI, but uh, there was a lot of good and maybe a little bad, but I think there there was overall – Overall, a solid showing, right, by the rookie defensive backs for the 49ers in this one. I think the 49ers coaching staff took this approach to really, like, we want to see, like, what this guy is all about. So, you know, we already talked about Trey Lance. And I st- I rewatched the game, and I'm like, you know what? This was never about making Trey Lance look good. It was all about we got to see where he's at, what he can do. And so we're going to keep it simple, but we want him throwing the ball down the field. We're not going to dink and dunk to do things that make him look good, like maybe the Patriots or the Jets did with Zach Wilson and and Mac Jones. Well, 49ers defensive staff did the same thing with their defense, with their uh, DBs. Like I'm watching the game early on and I'm looking at Diamador Lenore. I'm like, wait a minute. Like he's pressed man pressed against Tariq Hill with a single high safety. Like that's not much help. And it doesn't get any scarier than that, in my opinion. But I think the Yamador Lenore was he was up for the challenge. I love it. Yeah, he was. And he's a he's a feisty guy. And and I think one of the big takeaways I had with Diamador Lenore and Talanoa Hufanga specifically is they're just that type. They're wired that way where they're gamers. They're like they're feisty. They're going to get after it and they're going to play fast. And, you know, if they get beat on one play, it's okay. They're going to play fast on the next play. And we saw that from their very first snaps in the NFL. Yeah, so we'll start a little bit with Diamandu Lenore and kind of what I saw from him. Very, very interesting. Uh, you know, when he was drafted, there were a lot of people that pegged him as like, oh, he's a nickel. He's going to be a nickel. And I think a lot of people just want to tag a shorter guy as a nickel when he played outside his whole career at Oregon. But it's like, oh, nah, he's not. He can't be an outside corner because he's not tall enough yeah. or long enough. Yeah, he's right? 5'10". He ran four mid four fives. He's a nickel. Right. So I'm watching, I'm watching the game. And again, initially right away, I noticed, wait a minute, this guy is manned up on Tariq Hill. And there were, it, not just once. I mean, we're talking about three or four times man press with really no help. 
And I thought he handled himself well. Now, when you get in that type of situation, the thing I'm looking for most is how is he reacting? Is he doing something different with his technique? What I mean by that, like, is he intimidated by the speed of Tariq Hill? Is he going to get out of there too soon? Or is he going to challenge himself at the line of scrimmage? And I thought he, and I was impressed by this, I thought he played Tyreek Hill like he played all the other guys in this game. He didn't get out of there quick. He didn't look like he was motoring out and creating a bunch of space for Tariq Hill because he was scared to get beat vertically. Played him at the line of scrimmage. Thought he stayed patient. Worked to get hands on. Ran with him vertically. So he did that twice, running vertical with Tariq Hill. Thought that was good. And there was another time where Tariq Hill ran a curl route and Again, he wasn't in a hurry to get out of there. I thought he sat on it. I thought he did very well with that. Now, if Mahomes would have just gunned it in there, would have been a completion? Maybe. But again, I'm looking more so at how is he defending him and is he defending Tyreek Hill with confidence? Because we, we can watch what he did for the rest of the game and we'll get into that. But at the end of the day on Sundays, he's going to be playing the big dogs. And so that's why I want to see, like, we're, we're not, I'm not, I don't want to compare you to whoever number 11 is for the Chiefs right now. Like, I, I got to watch you against guys that have big-time talent. How do you react against playing against them? Because you might be called upon if Verrett or Mosley go down. You might be first up. So how are you going to react in that situation? Yeah, and it, it's a tough ask for a rookie in his first preseason game, and we saw it on the other side of the ball, too, with Chris Jones sacking uh, Trey Lance. But it's kind of nice that Andy Reid and the Chiefs threw those big dogs out there. Just give you a quick little test. They weren't that out there for that long, but it was fun to see those guys go up against players like that. And and you get a quick test in the NFL. And to be honest, for Diamondor Lenore, whoever he lines up against next week, he'll be like, sweet. It's not Tyree Kill. At least I can. Uh, at least, this guy's going to be slower that, than that for sure. That's as scary as it gets. And you look at how he played the rest of his game, and I think he played it as such. Like, I guarded Tyree Kill in the first quarter for, for several reps. So the guys that he played against for the rest of the game, I thought he did extremely well. They targeted him deep about three or four times. And I thought each time he did very well to put himself in position to be able to make a play on the ball. Now, whether it's make a play on the ball, you know, an interception or get his hand in there and play through the hands to defend the pass, those are two different things. I thought consistently he did not get his head around and he was working to play through the hands. Now, most fans, first thing I'm, I always see, Oh, he played like a Keller Witherspoon. Witherspoon never gets his head around. Like, that's the first thing I always it's like, guys, Witherspoon's on a different team, man. Like, like you guys can like get off his case now. But that's the first thing that gets in people's mind. Did not get his head around. And I will say a lot of times with fans, they only notice the times that a guy doesn't. Like Witherspoon could have got his head around eight out of ten times, but they'll notice those two times he didn't get his head around. With with uh Diamador Lenore, he didn't get his head around. And the thing I that kind of came up in my head. What I thought about is I, I, I think there's a chance that he lacks good, legit vertical speed to be able to run with guys vertically. So what he's doing is he's never in. And, and this is why guys typically don't get their head around. You you want to get in phase with the, with the receiver. And what that means is kind of in phase, have the receiver controlled and feel like you have that time clock in your hand to where you can get, go ahead. Would that be dick to hip, Croc? Okay, okay, so dick to hip is like the act of getting in phase, right? So like as I'm working to get in phase, like I'm more dick to hip. Okay. But now once the ball is in the air, I have to go and I have to work 
to play either through the hands or be able to turn away from the receiver, put my back on the receiver and look. Now there's different ways you can play the go route. Like if I'm, if I am like dig to hip and then like I'm uh, really even with the receiver, then at that point I want to play through, I want to look through the, so I want to turn into his chest and look through him that way back at the ball because more than likely a back shoulder pass is coming. All right. You'll see like Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers. I mean, they have that down to a T. Yeah. But right here, they were throwing the go routes. And I thought he played well, but you could tell that he might lack a little ideal high end speed. Now, again, it's really weird because I, I saw him very comfortably guarding uh Tariq Hill. When I was watching him against the other guys, you could you could tell he it was it was somewhat of a I don't want to say a struggle, but it wasn't just this natural burst of speed to be able to run vertically with guys. And I think that's why he wasn't quite in position consistently to get his head around to be able to make a play on the ball that way. He was working more so to be able to play through the hands of a a uh, a receiver. And, I mean, you said he was more of a mid four or five guy. So I, I thought he was four or fives, and I just looked it up after I said that because I wanted to confirm. He actually, at his pro day, had a four, four, five, which, you know, uh, the pro day oh, times, really good. there was no combine this year. So maybe that's a four or five flat at the combine or something like yeah, that. You know, so, he, he plays about that speed, right? It's a four or five-ish. Right. About, about, about four or five-ish. And I don't know what the receivers that he was going up against ran because sometimes in the preseason you don't know who those guys are. But in comparison, Akela Witherspoon, since we already mentioned him, he ran a 4.45 at the combine. So it's just a kind of a different level of speed to be able to challenge yourself vertically. And I'm not quite sure D'Amadou Lenore has that. I'll continue to keep an eye on that and see what type of different receivers may possess different type of challenges. If he does have it then you know maybe maybe he just needs to work on getting his head around more or getting in phase quicker or committing to or diagnosing a a receiver running vertically quicker but again I thought he covered very well I thought he challenged himself well now and now he did have an interception and on the interception you had a guy just run like a quick little out route I thought that was the one time where I'm like dude you didn't challenge yourself enough Right. Like he started to open up his hips as if it, he was getting ready to run with something. When I thought like this guy that you're guarding, he doesn't look like a speedster. He doesn't look like he has like the, the, the quicks or anything like that. So I thought he could have stayed a little bit more square. And, you know, and uh, when the guy ran it out, thought you would be on that upfield shoulder and break. Instead, he kind of opened up that made him late. And it was really a quick five yard out. Now, the guy kind of like the ball was kind of thrown behind him a little bit and then like hit his shoulder, then bounced up. Lenore took advantage of that, which is great because there's plenty of times where balls are dropped and the guy isn't there or he goes to get in, he drops it or something like that. He took advantage of an opportunity that was there and I love that. But I did think that just on that play, he could have challenged himself more by staying square, maybe catching the guy because it wasn't a receiver that was going to outrun him. Watching Diamador Lenore now and seeing his college tape and, and knowing what you know and seeing him play in his first NFL game, do you have a feeling that he's going to be a slot guy? As a lot of people suspected, do you sleep, see more of a slot type player? Do you think he's an outside guy or do you think maybe just do a little bit of both? It's too early for me to 100% say for certain what I think he is, but I would lean more towards ideally him being a nickel where he doesn't have to guard as many vertical routes. But it's like, as I'm saying, I mean, he guarded four routes and didn't give up a catch uh, vertically off the top of my head. There was one 
but I'm, it might have been Ambry Thomas where they threw the quick fade on the like right sideline on the right side I think but I can't th- remember if it was I know Ambry Thomas was it or- to Doris Fountain because I know they targeted Doris Fountain multiple times I think there was a couple of fades toward Ambry yeah. Thomas it, it was one of those guys but it just in general I'm, I'm talking about Diamador Lenore's vertical speed and most of the time he did very well but I, I could tell he might be just lacking that one that little freaky burst that allows him to be able to get his head around and just be comfortable with doing that. I don't think he's quite there yet. And if he's not, then yeah, like he might be more of a nickel guy because I do think he has that aggressiveness. I think he has that mentality to be able to play there. And I think he has the good feet quickness. I, I think maybe his number throws things off, right? You see number 38 running around there and it's like, ah, oh, it's not pretty. That's not a fast number at all. Yeah, you know, so that could be part of it. But um, maybe if, uh, and I don't wish anybody get cut. I know how it is being at the bottom, but like, say if Hasty doesn't make it and you can get Diamondo Lenore number 23, I think he might look a little faster out there, right? I think he absolutely would, yeah. He does have some thickness <laughs> so, to him. But I, I do think that he'll be a legit nickel and potential replacement for Kawan Williams. But right now, and small sample size, I did think he played a good game on the outside and showed a lot of things that I would like to see from a cornerback that I just drafted. All right, fifth-round cornerback out of Oregon, D'Amador Lenore, passed Crocker's test in the first preseason game. We'll keep tabs on these guys throughout the preseason and into the regular season. Next, let's talk Ambry Thomas and then Talanoa Hufanga. Seeing some of these rookies and free agents in action now for their respective teams, you can go to betonline.ag and then bet accordingly. Do you think a certain team's chances to win the Super Bowl next year have changed? Win some money on it at betonline.ag. They've also got some fresh odds on Offensive Rookie of the Year. Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, second, tied with Trey Lance. Kyle Pitts, 11-1 to on the defensive side for Rookie of the Year next season. Micah Parsons leads that at 4-1. to J.C. Horn and Patrick Sertan at 10-1, to along with Zayvon Collins. And the second rounder, Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa, one of the steals of the draft, in my opinion. 12-1 to odds. NBA, NHL, Major League, Baseball, Table Games, Poker, All you got to do to get involved in the action is head to the website at betonline.ag or the mobile app. Use promo code LOCKEDON when signing up to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. It was difficult for me, Croc, to figure out who was who at the start of that game and people changing numbers. And I saw number 20. I was like, why is Jimmy Ward out there playing corner? I thought he was not even playing in this game. I was like, oh yeah, Jimmy Ward's number one. But then I thought, Avery Thomas is wearing 41 at camp, and now he's wearing number 20. So then I started to figure out who was who. Uh, Ambry Thomas, wearing number 20 for the 49ers. What would you think? I think he handled himself well. Now, he and D'Amador Lenore were challenged a good amount. Like, they were targeted a good amount of times. I thought Lenore held up a little bit better as where Ambry Thomas, I thought, I don't want to say he played things soft, but he just gave up a little bit more underneath catches consistently. So I don't know if that was by design where, and these are the things that are a little more difficult, right? Like, what are they telling them? Are they saying, hey, just don't get beat deep? Or are they saying, look, dude, just shut everybody down? And if that's the case, I thought there were things where Ambry Thomas could have done better. Now, one thing that might that kind of stood out to me, the, these teams, they're not scheming against guys. But they're just running concepts. But I felt like they ran a bunch of concepts to put Ambry Thomas in a bind. Like, they were lining guys up 
And I think there were like three or four times I saw like in the first half where they were running guys through and then kind of clearing it out and kind of setting like a natural pick on Ambry Thomas with a guy coming underneath and have like, and then the guy just kind of making a catch on like a slant or be able to come open. Now, Embry Thomas, I thought could help himself for a guy that was terrific in press at Michigan. I think one of the more patient guys, I thought he motored out a little bit too, a little bit too much in his technique, kind of creating the space for these guys to run some of these quick slants right now. So I, I do think that that's something that he definitely can improve on. Like he was good at it. And matter of fact, between him and Embry Thomas, I would have like kind of flip-flopped him with how I thought that that would turn out with those guys being in so much press because Embry Thomas was so comfortable and so patient at the line of scrimmage. And now there could be some nerves and that could kind of, you know, feed into this, what, what I was seeing, but there were a couple of times I thought like, okay, that, that's what it's supposed to look like. Now do that every time because there were a few other times where I'm like, ah, motor out a little too much, create too much space. Now the guy's running the quick end right now. Another time they rocked him onto his heels. You never want to play on your heels. Can't do anything from your heels. You want to play more on your toes, right? Like, and a coach I had, like he used to say, cut the heel out, right? So cut, cut, cut your heel out and that's how you want to play. So it's like, not like you're like standing on your tippy toes like you're doing calf raises, but just, have your heels off the ground barely enough to where if a guy did, does do something and it kind of rocks you a little bit, you still can react because you're on your toes. There was a time where Ambry Thomas, and I pointed out, I'll post it or something, but you could see him get rocked onto his heels and then the guy have a clean release. Now, fortunately for him, it was a run play. But I watch guys, whether it's a run play, whether it's a pass play, and I look at how they're reacting to certain things, and that was one thing that kind of jumped out to me. Uh, I saw a couple times he's a little grabby. There was one deep ball down the right sideline where he was kind of beat. Uh, it was an incomplete pass, and he didn't get flagged, but he, he definitely grabbed. And uh, when, when I saw that, and I, I, I wish I – it was in the second quarter. I don't remember who he was covering on that play, and I wish I would have hit you up right at that moment to get your thoughts on it. But I have a feeling you will say, as long as you don't get flagged, then <laughs> it's fair game, right? Grab, grab, grab as you need to. Well, a, a wise man once told me, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. And we watched the uh, Seattle Seahawks like win a couple or win one Super Bowl, go to another, off the back of kind of being more aggressive and holding and doing those things. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think there's going to be that back and forth, regardless with receivers and cornerbacks. And you, sometimes you're going to get caught, sometimes you're not. Now, again, with this guy, like you, you do want to see him challenge himself a little bit more in space. You know, these are guys that, uh, or, you know, with Amber Thomas, he is a little bit more physically aggressive, but he has the skill set that you're looking for to be able to run vertically with guys. You know, he was a 4-3 guy coming out of Michigan. He wasn't a guy that I thought was letting uh, receivers get on top of him vertically. So now, you know, it's really more so of just kind of trust what you're seeing with these guys and trust that you have the ability to run vertically with guys. I, I think that's something that he could do a little bit better job of. Now, him playing off coverage, that's completely new because he, he wasn't doing that at all at Michigan. So that might be something that he needs to just get a little bit more comfortable with. But, you know, those things are going to happen with reps, especially live reps. But, yeah, when you're playing out there in that preseason game, man, it's a little, little nerve-wracking. And maybe the nerves kind of got to him a little bit from – and that's why maybe I saw some of the laps in his uh, technique. Uh, how much did they run off versus press, like zone versus man? Did you get any – 
Did you get any uh, secrets from D'Amico Ryan's about maybe scheme stuff? Was it just super, super vanilla? Or did you think you saw something there that you might see as a trend and what they're going to try to do this year on defense? You know, sometimes it's tough, man. Like preseason, they just want to see their guys play, right? Like it's, it's not so much about uh, making the guy look good and scheming up against, you know, the opposing teams. You just want to know, all right, like, can the kid play? Like, we, we can teach you zone. We can teach you those things. So I think they did run more man than, you know, you typically would think. But I think a lot of that is just trying to see, can these guys play football? Now, down the line, they start filtering in more uh, zone. They might start adding more of that. I'm pretty sure they've done some of that in practice. But even, I mean, we had Matty Barrows on, and he was talking about how much man they've, they've played. Mm-hmm. I like that. I'm a man guy. Play two man. Play some robber. They did play some robber with Hufanga, and we'll get into that. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know if they're just not giving anything away and they're playing it more vanilla, so they're just like, all right, we're going to go out there 75% of the time we're going to run man. Yeah, and we had talked about that just with the style of players they were bringing in personnel-wise. It seemed like that's the direction that the defense is going, not that it's going to be man 100% of the time or even man heavier than zone, but just more and more man seems like it's coming for the 49ers defense. Okay, Coach Kroc. If you were in charge and either Emmanuel Mosley or Jason Verrett get hurt and you had to plug one of those rookies in to start, how would you feel about it and which one would you choose? I think Obviously, right it's too now. Soon. It's too soon, but just based on this one preseason. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say, I mean, just if I just go off of what I saw and how I saw them react when the ball was in the air, I would go with Lenore. But I do think that Amber Thomas probably has a little bit more physical gifts. So I'm still kind of holding out on him coming around and working to become more consistent. But again, they they have a little ways to go with him being in comfortable in off coverage. Whereas Lenore, he mixed it up a lot at Oregon. So I'm a little bit more comfortable with where he's at, knowing I can be multi-dimensional with my scheme. Real quick before we go to safety and Talanoa Hufanga, were there any other random things you noted with uh, with the other corners on the roster? Anything that jumped out to you big with some of the veterans or some of the guys that are fighting for the the final spot potentially on the roster? Uh, I think uh, Dante Johnson. I mean, he got the start opposite Diamondo Lenore, and, and that's one thing too. When they when they put out who the starters were, it was Dante Johnson and Ambry Thomas. And then next thing you know, it's Lenore out yeah. there. He's the one that actually got the start. And when I say that, like I'm talking about on TV, when they show the starting cornerbacks, mm-hmm. it was like Embry Thomas, Dante Johnson. It was like, nah, Diamondor said, uh, not so fast, <laughs> my friend. I'm the starting cornerback out here. So that was interesting, just them choosing to play Lenore over Embry Thomas. Like Embry Thomas was your your fourth round, your third round pick. Now I did talk about it how he was a late third round pick, right? There's not as much difference between those guys as most people think. We're talking about a guy who typically in the, in the normal year without all these comp picks would have been a fourth-round draft pick. So, you know, them going with them, that's kind of telling you who they are leaning towards. Like, that's not random. You know, they feel a little bit more comfortable with Lenore right now, as as would I with what I saw from that game. But, again, it, it's far from over several games left, but – I'm curious to see, man, I, I'm kind of excited to see Verrett and Mo- Mosley. I hope they play yeah, next week. Me too. Yeah, me too. I want to see those guys out there. I want, I want to feel more comfortable about what's going on with the 49ers uh, secondary with some of the injuries and you know losing a guy like Richard Sherman. How is that unit going to look this year? But it's, it's not actually that much of a surprise, and it shouldn't be a worry about Amory Thomas if he's coming along slower than Demo. 
Jamador Lenore played more at Oregon, and Ambry Thomas didn't play last year either. So it wouldn't be surprising at all if it took him a little bit to get his feet under him and, and wasn't quite going to be rounding into form as quickly as Jamador Lenore. So um, we'll see how those guys continue to develop throughout the preseason. Let's talk safety. Let's talk Talanoa Hufanga next. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes, models, it is now impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the counterman orders the parts on his computer? You can't see what he's looking at. He's looking at this screen, choosing the only brand his warehouse happens to carry. Then you got to come back and wait for the part to even get there. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket with an endless supply of everything you need for your vehicle. I'm always blown away at how much they have in stock at rockauto.com. Why would you choose to spend 30, 50, even 100% more for the exact same auto parts at a chain store or a new car dealership? Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. Rockauto.com's prices are always the same for everybody and are always reliably low. Just let them know that Locked On sent you, right? Locked On in there. How did you hear about us box? So they know we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Do you know 85% of people who play daily fantasy sports lose? Is it really that surprising the game is rigged against you? You're playing against thousands of other lineups, not to mention experts who have more tools and more time. You don't stand a chance. Introducing Stat Hero. It's the first ever daily fantasy sports book that puts the player in control and winning within reach. Here's how it works Stat Hero shows you their lineups and dares you to beat them. It's you versus the house, it's head to head fantasy matchups. You name the stakes, winner take all. You have the advantage. Stat Hero is showing you their lineups ahead of time. No one else does that. You're in control. Stat Hero is. DFS the way it was meant to be, one-on-one. Play Stat Hero now and change the odds. Go to stathero.com slash locked on, sign up for free, and right now you can get three times back on your first play. A 300% match. That's unheard of. Go to stathero.com slash locked on. That's stathero.com slash locked on. I'm going to put this question in from Jake right here because it's more about the cornerbacks and he said how much would you guys be willing to give up to get him and he's quote tweeting an NFL rumors tweet that says the Jaguars CJ Henderson started for the team in their first preseason game the 49ers and Saints have been the two most active teams that have inquired about the former first round pick Uh, the first thing I want to say about this Jake is that a There's no reference. There's no, I don't know what the source is for this rumor from a handle that's literally called NFL Rumors. And I know this account is very popular and it retweets a lot of stuff. And sometimes it just uses Schefter as its source, you know. Um, I haven't seen anybody else reporting this. And the other thing is the first sentence they got is wrong. CJ Henderson did not start for the Jaguars in their first preseason game. So it's hard to believe the second sentence of a tweet when the first one was wrong already. So I don't know if the 49ers and Saints have been the two most active teams. About C.J. Henderson, I wouldn't be surprised if the 49ers called about C.J. Henderson. Uh, and we talked about what we'd be willing to give up. What, second-round pick, Rock? Yeah, second-round pick right now. Like, here, have it. And, again, I'm hoping that if Jimmy Garoppolo starts, I can recoup that with 
Jimmy playing well because, again, we talked about Henderson's uh, contract and the way it's kind of set up with them already paying out a good amount of his bonus. We're talking about having him for three years, paying him $7 million. And somebody that's like a legit, and he played legit in that game. I I watched that game and Mm -hmm. I was watching him. And you're right, like he didn't start. But when he did get in there, I mean, I I thought he played extremely well and showed everything that I want to see from him. You know, the type of ability that he has, the, the size, the movement skills. Um, so to have that type of talent for three years, $7 million, and then also have that fifth year option in your pocket, like, man, yeah, here, have this second round pick. And I'm hoping I can recoup it with, uh, yeah. the way Jimmy Garoppolo. And it kind of goes hand in hand with what we were talking about with Mosley and Verrett. Let's see those guys first. If you feel really good about your starters, but you still, you know, you got a bunch of free agents coming up and CJ Henderson would be a long-term deal. So, um, yeah, I would definitely be exploring that if I was the 49ers and, you know, checking in if you got permission with his agent and, and trying to figure out what's going on with the young man and make sure everything's going on. And he's got uh, everything right in his headspace before you make a, a move like that because you don't want to be throwing away second round picks for a guy, even if he's talented, if he's not going to be available for you. So hopefully everything going on off the field with C.J. Henderson is square. And if the 49ers were able to do that, there's a number of teams that probably could be involved there. Yeah, but the Niners don't have and any again, players, so they can't have one of those real quick, for sure. We talked, we touched on this last week as well. If you, if you, if you do go get him, you, you got to start him right now. So, are you starting him over Mosley or Verrett? Mm-hmm. And, and that's you have to be able to answer that question. You're not trading away a second round pick to just be like, oh, well, let's just see what he is, right? Especially when you have two corners that could potentially play very well and start. So. Wait, we'll, wait, we'll hold on, Croc. What do you mean? The, it, the 49ers just spent three first-round picks on a quarterback that they're doing that with, and, and they're pretending they're not going to play him either and letting the veteran play. So maybe they could do that with the corner as well. Oh, uh, man, I don't know. I, I feel like you trading for a player, like, I don't know. I, I think I think uh, you can, you can no, do that with a rookie quarterback. I don't know if you can do that with T.J. Henderson. He should be one of the two best corners on the team anyway, so it wouldn't matter, you know, as long as his head's right. screwed on right. The other thing is, and it's sort of the similar question what we just talked about with if Ambry Thomas or Diamador Lenore, which one do you start if, let's say, Mosley or Verrett got hurt? If Mosley or Verrett got hurt tomorrow, you're making the call to the Jaguars, right? Because you're trying to start C.J. Henderson rather than Johnson or Lenore or Ambry Thomas. Correct, correct. Talanoa Hufanga, fifth round pick out of USC. A little single high action even for the young man. And I know he had the early pass interference on Tyreek Hill. What'd you see out of him as a tackler? What'd you see out of him in the box? What'd you see out of him deep and in coverage specifically? Because that's where he has a chance to make some money if he can cover. Can he cover Croc? So let me start by saying, I don't want to say I was wrong yet on him because it is fairly early. But my analysis of him coming out of USC, like I, I wasn't, I didn't feel any type of way. There was no excitement with the 49ers drafting him because what I saw was someone who was more of a tweener, like too small to play linebacker, but too slow to play safety. And it's like, well, what do you do with him? And I'm watching him even in the boxes, like he's a step slow. I mean, like I, I've watched a lot of Marcel Harris play down there, and now they actually have him at linebacker, but. He was somebody that was quick and knifing in there and making plays in the backfield and doing it against NFL caliber players, but then also having the ability to play off coverage and cover guys in space. And it's like, well, could, can Hufunga come in and, and be better than that, right? So I watched this, and I think most people would peg him as uh, maybe a linebacker or 
a box safety like they, you know, talk about Jaquiski Tart. But one thing with these 49er safeties, man, you have to be versatile. And the one thing that jumped out right away was, hey, he's back there in single high. Probably a lot more than people would realize when watching this game. Saw several snaps early on where he's a single high guy. Now, why are they putting him back there in single high? I think when it's Jaquiski Tart, a lot of times because they go, man, they'll bring down Jimmy Ward, play him, man, on either – a receiver in the three spot or a tight end. And then they'll let Jaquiski Tart play or Marcel Harris play deep, uh, deep free safety in that down. And maybe that's what they were doing with Hufunga. So he was back there at single high early on. I mean, first play of the game, you could see him back there. Now the versatility with him was very intriguing. There were times where he was a single high safety. There were other times where he was a two high safety. I love seeing on that tackle, it was a third down tackle, shorter sticks. We talked about yeah. some of the natural rub routes that they were uh, setting on Ambry Thomas. Ambry Thomas got slipped. Now, Robert, being a robber and what they did and how they kind of disguised it, they disguised it as a too high defense. And so now at the snap, they bailed to a single high with a robber, right? So you have one, one safety go to a single high. You have Hufanga come down as a robber, and he's looking to see who's going to get slipped. Well, it was Ambry Thomas. He got slipped. Hufunga diagnosed it right away, made a tackle about two, three yards short of the first down. So those are things you want to see. He's executing exactly what it is that they want to do. Now, you alluded to the early pass interference call on Terry Keel, and he got there early. And I think that was more of like a panic, right? And again, that's that's just that goes to show you right there, and we talked about it with some of the other guys, they weren't trying to just put their guys in the best situations. They just wanted to say, well, how are you going to react to this? How are you going to react to that? What is it going to look like? And Hufunga was in terrific position on, <laughs> on Terry Hill, but I think he panicked a little bit and ran into him. Yeah, he hit him like before five the yards before there. the ball got there, which was it was funny. It was like not even close. <laughs> yeah. But maybe but a little overzealous, but was, that's the way he plays too. Right. But it's just like where he was and, and how people thought he was going to be utilized. And it's like, no, like they utilize him as if he was any other safety on his team. Some single high, some two high, some robber. He made some plays. He played in the box. I saw him lined up in man on running backs in the box. Had the running back come out. He had to fight over kind of a underneath route and get in position to play man on the running back. He wasn't targeted, but I just was watching him and saw him do that. So he – Early on, and the jury's still out, okay, I won't say I was just completely wrong, but I look like I'm a little bit wrong on this guy. And then everything you hear about him with his infectious personality and how this is like polarizing and kind of gets through everybody else and everybody loves him and his attitude and him saying he wants to be the best special teamer. Then you watch him on special teams and he's running down and he's getting special team block, uh, tackles mm -hmm. and all those things. I mean, it just... It bodes well for him. And, and now my biggest thing is, where do we go? Where do we go from here with him? You know, they, they, they've signed these safeties. They just brought in Ha Ha Clinton Dix. They got uh, number 32. I don't know why I'm blinking on his name right now. I want to say Wilson, but I know that's not his name. Uh, Kai Nakua? No. Nah, not, not him. Oh, number, uh, oh you mean uh, Tavon Wilson. Okay, so it is Wilson. So, you know, you got Tavon Wilson and, and some of these guys that probably play in a similar role, but... I wonder if he's exceeding maybe their expectations because, I mean, I've been hearing and reading about him in training camp playing very well too. Like this is not just a one-off with how versatile I saw him as a player. Now, is he a guy that you just want to leave in man all the time or 
Is he a guy that can roll down and, and play man on the, uh, a receiver in the three spot or a tight ends? I, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. And I'll, I'll look deeper into that. But so far, I like what I've seen from him. And at the very least, he's he's a solid depth piece and, and belongs on the roster where at first I was like, well, he's going to be on the roster because he was a draft pick. But right now it looks like he might be on the roster because he's a good football player. Yeah, and I love that they challenged the guys. Uh, all three of the guys we've talked about, all three of those rookie defensive backs, they weren't trying to hide them. They're like, look, these are the concepts you're going to have to run the NFL. I don't care if it's Tyree Kill. You're going to have to go cover this dude. And look, if Tart was in the game, we would be doing the same scheme and we'd be putting him back at single high. So Hufanga, let's go. Can you do it? And and I love seeing that. And I love seeing the rookies try to respond. One aspect of Hufanga, I will say, he lost weight to get quicker and faster from what we saw on tape of him at USC. So maybe that's what we're seeing. Maybe he's a half step faster. Maybe he's a step faster. He still only ran a 4.64 his pro day. So when I saw the 40 time to go along with what we had seen and both of us agreed, we watched him separately and we came to the same conclusions about him. We're like, ah, I don't know, man. Um, and seeing him run a 4.64 is like, yeah, I don't think he really got faster, but he definitely looked like he was playing faster in a 49ers uniform that he did in a USC uniform. And I don't know if the Niners uniforms just look that much prettier and make him look faster, but it looked like he was, you know, he's always been better going downhill. So like, you know, special teams as a gunner going downfield, making a tackle, uh, seeing him at strong safety and, and making tackles on guys. That was his strong suit anyway. So it was good to see that. And it seemed like he was at least a half step faster than USC. Here's the thing though. Got to remember that these offensive teams, they're not scheming against you. So with the, with the corners, it kind of is what it is. But with a safety that might lack in space a little bit, right, might not. And, and right now, I think more than anything, like, you need – both your safeties really need to be able to cover. And I think 49ers with Tart and Ward do that mm-hmm. well. But Tart's – you know, I don't know when he's going to be back. So Hufunga, when teams start scheming for him, if he's out there, then, then we're really going to see. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, right now, he might be able to get away with it. But teams are going to try to figure out how do we isolate him? And that's when stuff can get a little sketchy. So I'm still a little skeptical, but I but I do I am encouraged so far from what I've seen from him. All those rookies so far passed the test. Uh, Zane wants to know which wide receiver defensive back had the best swag. And bonus question: Can we get Jennings to change that face mask? Oh, so Jennings definitely is the first loser of the swag. I mean, <laughs> goodness gracious, like. I think he'd be all right, even though his sock combination, like he he tries to do a little too much. He's like Nick Cannon, right? Nick Nick Cannon, Nick Cannon is like uh he's kind of this corny, and I'm not saying that Jennings is corny, but Nick Cannon <laughs> is kind of like this corny guy. Like he tries really hard I know what you mean. to yeah. be like cool, but it's like Nick Cannon, like you just can't be like you're just not cool. Now, Juwan Jennings, I'm not saying he's corny, he's not cool, but you could tell that he's trying with his swag, like the way he does his socks, the way he does certain things, but it, it, it's just not coming together well. And this is, and, and you know what? I'm not going to blame him. I'm going to blame his teammates for letting him go out there with that face mask <laughs> and that helmet. Because my my teammates, I always told them, like, dude, that helmet is trash. Like, that face mask is trash. Like, I'm at least going to let you know. And I'll keep telling you. Well, I don't think anybody's ever told him. So he has, like, this big... Somebody uh, said that it looks like an astronaut, like, and that is what he looks like. It looks like I don't know. It's, it's terrible. Anyways, they wanted to know who was the best, like, most drippy. Well, and, they wear those face masks because there's more 
it's bigger in the in the eye region, right? There's more space. You just don't do Is it that, though. You it just doesn't matter. Do okay. It. Like nobody else does it. There's no other receiver in the NFL that does it. Like I mean, like no, nobody that's good, right? Look at Devontae. Like who are the best receivers in the NFL, and they don't wear that. Like so, you is like people will say that. Like oh, my it helps my vision. Like no, nah, dude, that's BS. Like the, the best receivers in the league don't wear that. I'm trying to find a photo of his socks. I I, I keep seeing his. He had the one arm sleeve that was like the wrist sleeve up to the elbow. It wasn't the one where you have the wrist exposed and the upper arm yeah. exposed and it's only on the elbow. He had it down like all the way to his glove, which yeah, was also he, he just, so that it, was it's, it's just a little off. And what he needs is he needs drip consultant Crocky. That's yeah. who he needs. I mean, I'll come through. I, I'll set all that straight and have him looking ready to go. He's, he's definitely the worst dressed on, on the, on the team, but you know, he's a big physically imposing guy. So he might get away with it. He might not care. I think he does care because I can tell he tries. He's trying, but so he must as... care. And we're going to talk a lot more about his play on the field probably Thursday after the Winky Wednesday. We're going to get deeper into yeah. the, the 49ers pass catchers and especially some of the young players and how they're developing there. And we're going into overtime on this show. I'm going to get to a couple more questions too. But um, the big loser with the – we need so they have a quality control. They need a, a swag control, Eric they Crocker. That. That'd be a good coach for, I, for you. I'll say this. Who who look good, Who I, first of all – Best dress was probably Trey Lance. Mm. But if I go with the receivers, I'd say Ayuk and Debo were clean as they usually are. They usually look good. They usually put their uniform on well, you know, had the visors and all that. Like they, they looked good. So I definitely go with them. I would say Debo more than Ayuk. Ayuk is just shaped weird because he's got the wide shoulders, long arms, long legs, short torso. So <laughs> yeah. it's harder for him to look good. Even though I don't think Debo's got the most beautiful body when it comes to wide receivers either like they're He's both strong wide. i mean i'm not trying to say that they both are are, are ripped and, and strong and, and look great but they just both are shaped kind of odd so it's yeah you know they've they've got their stuff together if they're looking good still right yeah so yeah those those guys are fine i think you can count on them to look good on the field and really put their uniform on well and then on defense i think i think ambry thomas ambry thomas looks solid Okay. Like it, it wasn't anything. I mean, I, I'm not a big fan of the white cleats, white sock combination, and then he had the like the red socks long. Like, I, I'm just not a fan of the white cleats. But him and Lenore, they kind of both had the white cleats, white sock, uh, ankle socks thing going on. It wasn't bad. I thought it looked clean. Amber, uh, Diamondo Lenore is going to be a little bit harder because he wore number 38. Amber Thomas had number 20 on, so it looked a little better. So I, I would say Amber Thomas. I thought he was. I think he was solid. Good question there from Zane. Zane Nakvi. He's a, a friend of the program. Also, you can find his work at uh, 49ers Web Zone. How about this one? How much does Haha Clinton Dix have to op- offer to help our defensive backs? What do you think? Is that just a depth piece? Is he somebody when Tart comes back, you just cut Haha Clinton Dix? Or do you think there's something there? Oh yeah. I mean, I, I don't want to say he's just a depth piece. Like when you're a veteran like that. Like there's always some sort of an opportunity, but yeah, I, I think it's it's good to have them in there just in case there are, you know, maybe in, you know other injuries or anything like that. But I, I put his chances at like five percent of making a roster. He did pick off Trey Lance today, though, so who knows? I mean, he's a veteran. He should be able to come in and at least compete, right? Like we've seen from Tavon Wilson. You would think so, but there's still the roster politics. So at the end of the day, I mean, if you look at the four safety that, that they're going to keep, you'd say off top, you got Jimmy Ward. You, you know, obviously, Tart, when he comes back, Hufunga has to, I mean, stay. He, he was a draft pick. And then you have uh, Wilson. 
So, what is it? Is that four already? Yes. Ward, Hufunga, Wilson. Who am I missing? Tart when he's healthy. Tart when he's, he's healthy. Going to start the season on the, pup, start on the probably. But maybe uh, there is a chance that he makes it. <laughs> I can't think of another safety. So <laughs> we are we're missing somebody. What's going on here? But that's obviously why they brought him no, in. Right? Like Let's see. Maiden, which um, I, I mean, I don't think he's been anything like great. Oh yeah, Jared probably... Maiden. Yeah, Jared Maiden got a lot of. He's he looks big, right? Yeah, his, he looks pretty big out there. His helmet's pretty ugly. Uh, he, wears a, he wears a Revo speed. I didn't see a ton out of him. Ken Webster, I thought he got the two feet in. I thought he got the toe tap in on that interception, but they didn't give him credit for it. Uh, do, yeah, actually, now that I think about it, if if Tart starts the season on Pup, HaHa Clinton Dix is going to make the roster. Yep, there's a, there is yeah. a chance. So I think it's I think it's more than more more like fifty percent chance at this point. Mm. Because you don't bring him in. Obviously, Marcel Harris, now a linebacker. You must not love what you see from Jaron Maiden, or else you'd just be like, no, we're good because we got Maiden, and we got Nuku, right. and we got all these, and Hufanka, we got all these other guys. We'll, we'll see who they play first next week. Do they play yeah. Ha Ha Dix or Maiden first? Right, or do they put Dix at strong safety or free safety, too? Or both, and which one do they put him at first? I still... I think those spots are a little bit more versatile than like, like I, I, I don't look at it as really strong safety, free safety. I look at it more as just two safeties. Now they might roll one down a little bit more than the other guy, mm-hmm. but I, I don't think they look at it. And, and I could be wrong. I mean, definitely there's two, two different, like kind of ideal body sizes, but I think they want both guys to be a little bit more versatile. Ideally. Let's see if there's any more questions to sneak in here. And the safeties in the NFL, they don't like that either when you call them box safeties. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's why it's funny because I expected I expected Harris to show up with a number in the 50s, and he still got 36. Like, he doesn't want to let it go. He's like, I'm a safety nah. playing linebacker. I'm not going to be a, a linebacker linebacker. Kind of like what we saw from... Um, from uh, who was it just a few years ago that we got put at linebacker? Um, There's Deion Buchanan? No, uh, number 35, uh, Reed. Oh, yeah. Eric Reed. Eric Reed. I, I was drawing a blank there. Uh, Eric Reed was not about playing linebacker, even though he's bigger than most of the linebackers currently on the 49ers roster. Well, shoes, man. Now these guys are wearing single digits. I just saw what Joe Tryon for Tampa Bay. It's wearing weird. number nine at defensive end. <laughs> I saw Kyle Pitts. He didn't play in the Falcons preseason game, which is a huge bummer. He's wearing number eight as a tight end. And it made him look so slim and tall. He looked like a basketball player out there. Yeah. He's in warm-ups. That's the only player I would have taken. That's the only pass catcher I would have taken in the top ten. I'm not I'm not taking receivers top ten. I, I think I'm kind of off that. I'm kind of done with top that too, 10. man. Let's wait to round two before you get those receivers because there's just too many good ones. And there was more, I think, this year. Late 20s, all right, because then – I won't be in a position to get one at the top of the second round, mm-hmm. but th- I think these 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 classes are going to continue to kind of be loaded with receivers. Like, dude, I'm I'll, I'll wait. Watch, there's going to be second. I wouldn't be surprised if the best receiver from this class or most most uh, productive one was like a second round pick. Oh yeah, you shouldn't be surprised because it continues to happen. Uh, second round, even into the third round too. So even if you are right. late one, there's good receivers going in the fifties. You know, there's good receivers going in the sixties and seventies too. 
So yeah, we, we got to end this here. Uh, thank you everybody for all the questions. A, a number of questions here that we can answer on Winky Wednesday and that we can answer about the wide receivers, which is going to be, I think, Thursday's program with Croc breaking down those 49ers wide receivers with me right here, Locked On 49ers.